You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on in. You've made it to your weekend. Tyler Aki, Tim Leonard with you here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple, Spotify, uh, on the Odyssey app as well. You can find us there. Also, we're on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. Catch us there. Give us a follow, like our stuff. We'll interact with you during games and stuff like that. Football right around the corner. We're wrapping up our most important running back series today. So you will find out who number one is in just a little bit. We're going to do it in the second segment because we want to break down how the running back carries should be distributed for this upcoming season. We will do that. Also, we will get into some quarterback stuff because some interesting things coming across the wire from Dino Babers in terms of the quarterback battle. But before we get to that, I do want to quickly mention this, and some people might already know the results of this, but if you are one of those early birds, again, a lot of our episodes, Tim, we put out at like 1 a.m. We record them the night before, put them out at 1 a.m. Sometimes you get the luxury of having it recorded first thing in the morning, the day of the the show release, but just want to send a little... Um, good luck to our guy, Justin Knight, who oh, is yeah. running good in call. the 5,000 meter final Friday morning, 7 a.m. Eastern time. So the, the result is known in all likelihood by the time you're, you're listening to this, but we're hopefully going to have Justin on post Olympics to talk about his Olympic experience. So looking forward to that conversation. One of the best that we've had on this yeah. show. So we will do that down the road with Justin, but let's start today with, unpacking everything that went on with Dino Babers in the first media session of the year, talking about the quarterbacks, and I I love what I saw from Dino Babers. I don't know how you feel about it, but I love the the competition aspect that is being put forth at the quarterback position. I think it's important at the most important position in all of sports. So to, to kind of summarize it here, Dino Babers says the quarterback battle, wide open. He wants someone to clearly take the job rather than have to pick for week one. No specifics on on anything with DeVito or Schrader, but I'm glad that he wants it to be a job that is taken and not one that he has to just kind of... Because if he has to pick, it's going to be DeVito, right? right? I, I think we're in agreement of that, but... I'm I'm glad it's a battle, and we haven't really seen the iron sharpens iron mentality at the quarterback position in a couple years now, probably since Dungy and DeVito were duking it out a little bit back in 2018. Yeah, and I think if there is an obvious answer, it is probably DeVito. We've talked about this a little bit before, but if someone does go out and make it so apparent that they are the guy, it's most likely DeVito. Maybe I'm off there because... I don't know, you just hear so much about how good he is in practice, and that's kind of been the M.O. really since he stepped on campus, is that he just can't really translate it to the game. So perhaps in practice he is improving and he looks very good, and then Dino is comfortable throwing him out there. I think it's a totally different story what we get once he is on the actual game field against Ohio if he does start week one. But I'd like to see that comment, and he made note of all five guys and made it clear that, you know, it's not just DeVito and Schrader. Now, I don't think it'll be Justin Lampson, who's going to be the week one starter. But right. I do think they have a or very... Or Jacoby and Morgan, who yeah, played a number yeah, of games last year. Right. Yeah, they're buried down the depth chart. We know this is a, this is a two-horse race. It Dino can say be. whatever he wants. Yeah. This is a two-horse race. And if you're Dino, you can't 
say anything, but it's wide open right now. Because when you recruited Garrett Schrader, you told him that you are promised to have a competition here. And Garrett Schrader relayed that message. And even Garrett Schrader talked about when he committed, how basically, to paraphrase what he was thinking, was I didn't come here to be the backup. Like, he said comments like that that we talked about on this show. So we know that Dino got in his ear. He wouldn't have recruited him if he was really happy with what Tommy has been giving them. And he knows it's a big year, and we know he promised Garrett Schrader a competition, so he has to say that at the podium. I think also, when you talk about the battle here, the fact that he's not alluding to anyone, maybe it's Dino's close to the vest nature, but you would have expected him to say something about how Tommy's throwing the ball a little bit. And it feels like we haven't gotten that for the duration of camp, and that includes the spring, too, and... Of course, there there were some people who were asking at ACC Media Day, and it felt like that DeVito knew the system better, but you didn't hear anything necessarily about was he playing better than, than Garrett Schrader. And I think that's important, too, because DeVito should have a grasp of all of this by the time that he is into his senior season. And the fact that it's not clear-cut for him, I think – helps Schrader. I'm not saying it gives him an advantage right now in, in the, the positional battle, but the fact that it's gotten to this point, I think, and Tommy DeVito hasn't taken the reins, wasn't at ACC Media Day, probably not a good indication for DeVito, I would say. Yeah, it's also a couple things. One, Dino just hardly ever singles out any specific players when he talks. I mean, he was asked about the running back group, and we can get into it a little bit, but he just kind of had a short answer to it and didn't really talk about anything other positions he just says like yeah I think they need to be better those guys need to get stronger he never really individualizes any questions and the other thing is I think he just knows what he has in Tommy DeVito at this point like the fan base knows what they have the safe option yeah and right he he brought in Garrett Schrader and his question on what who will be the starter really comes down to what is Garrett Schrader giving him in camp and what is Garrett Schrader showing with his arm. So I don't think he really has any question marks about DeVito. And unless DeVito changed overnight into some incredible quarterback, I don't think we're really going to hear him editorialize his performance so far or talk about it at all. Has your meter changed at all? Are, are you leaning a little further into the DeVito side here yet? I would say... I mean, I've been on record. I think DeVito would start week one, and I, I can't remember exactly what I said, but I was pretty confident in the 80 to 85 range. Maybe it drops down five or 10 percentage points when I hear a comment that it's wide open. But I still think, based on what we've heard, based on just even quotes from Dino leading up to this point before this, I think it is DeVito week one. I'm with you right now. If I gun to my head right now, I'd say 60-40 DeVito. I just think you haven't heard anything necessarily glowing right now. And I think that's a bad thing for a senior quarterback. So uh, we'll be watching the the quarterback battle all offseason long. One of the more intriguing things this is a really intriguing camp for Syracuse. So we'll keep our eye on it with you here on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. Hey, did you know that Bilt Bar has so many delicious flavors? There is literally a flavor for everyone. And when you talk to a Bilt Bar fan, they are always passionate about their faves. Mine the peanut butter brownie. You've heard me talk about it for months now. And if you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you are missing out. You can get anything from fruit flavors like cherry, barcia, and raspberry to some traditional chocolate ones like double chocolate 
or cookies and cream, German chocolate. And if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box as well where they'll give you two of each of the nine flavors. And not only are Built Bars the best tasting protein bars, but they're also healthy for you too. Just check out some of the stats here. 17 to 18 grams of protein and only 130 to 180 calories with only four to five grams of sugars to go with it. So order today and get the grasshopper cookie or raspberry or whatever you like. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team as well. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 15% off your order. That's Built.com, promo code LOCKEDON for 15% off your order. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, let's get into our running back countdown. We're on to number one now. Usually we save this for the end of the show, but we're doing it a little early today because we want to talk about what the breakdown should be like in that running back room. The deepest, most talented positional group on the roster right now. And in case you haven't been following the tea leaves up to this point, we are on to number one, and it is Abdul Adams to round out our list. I don't think that really comes as a shock to anyone because this was a guy came in with a lot of hype surrounding him, former four-star, played at Oklahoma, played in some big games for the Sooners. Um, last year sits out for Syracuse, ops out, and is back. And I don't think you and I thought Abdul Adams was going to be a guy that would be, would be back on this roster, but all of a sudden, if he's good to go, healthy, all that stuff, he automatically becomes the most important running back in that room because you don't know exactly what you're going to get out of Abdul Adams. Yeah, and you hope that you get a little bit better than what he gave you in 2019, I would say. I thought he was overall pretty underwhelming from his pedigree and what he did in the Camping World Bowl, albeit on limited carries, but went into 2019 with some pretty high hopes like the rest of the team and kind of fell flat. He averages 3.9 yards per rush, which was basically the worst of all the main backs that were used in that 2019 season. So after a year off, who knows where he stands? Dino's made it pretty clear that the guys that opted out, and specifically Howard and Adams, they have to work their way up the depth chart. And I would not expect Adams Adams and Howard to maybe even be a huge factor in the first couple weeks. I think he's holding true to that just because whenever he's asked about it, like when he had this press conference just yesterday, he goes out of his way to say, yeah, they've got to work their way up the depth chart. Now, he did say that they're not going to hold any grudges here. Like the best guy will play and he makes that clear. But it seems like if you're Abdul Adams or you're Jarvion Howard, it's going to take some time for you to prove that sitting out last year didn't cost you anything. Now there's a couple things that are interesting with Adams. And I think he, he's probably the best pass catching back on the team. And also in terms of putting him on the field and passing situations, he's a fantastic pass blocker. As well, you look at his PFF grade over the years, his final season at Oklahoma, it was a 77. That's very good. 
at Syracuse, first season, and again, this was just the Camping World Bowl, but he got a 77 for that individual game against West Virginia. And then in a full season with Syracuse in 2019, he elevates that to an 85. Pass blocking is something that's very crucial for running backs, especially guys that are new. And we've seen Dino Babers, he'll put out uh, the the best pass blocker at times and make sure that they are getting their their due. And when you've got guys that are talented pass blockers, and we talked about this with Jarvion Howard earlier in the week, he was number three on our list, but he's a fantastic pass blocker as well. You've got two really rock solid guys that are going to be able to come in on passing situations. So Abdul Adams, that's a whole nother dimension and a whole other reason to get him on the field. Yeah, I think it's very interesting. I just don't know who's going to be the running back that is left out, right? Because I don't think they're going to use all four. And logic, I guess, would say Cooper Lutz. But based on comments from Dino, my thought process has changed on that a little bit. And I do think there's a world that Abdul Adams maybe doesn't get the amount of carries that we're expecting this year. I think, to me, the most important running back this year is probably Sean Tucker, just because we know that Going I would say into the, the best season. running back is Sean Tucker. But if you're getting contributions from Abdul Adams, I think he's going to be a critical third down back. When yeah. you look at what he can do in passing situations, I, I'm just looking at his snap counts from 2019. He was on the field for more passing situations than he was running situations. 120 passing uh, snaps, 56 pass blocking snaps, and then 89 running snaps. Yeah. So that shows me that A, they want to utilize him in the passing game a little bit, and B, they trust him in, in pass block situations as well, so that's just going to get him on the field even more. Yeah, I, I just don't think he has as high of a ceiling as Sean Tucker, I guess. No, Sean and Tucker will be the best running sure. back yeah. on this on this team. And we made it clear, like, most important is not best player, but I, I just view Sean Tucker, if he has a great year, I think that impacts Syracuse more than Abdul Adams having a great year, because... I don't know. I, I just didn't really like what I saw from him in 2019. I went into 2019 pretty high on him, and my thought process on him has changed a lot. So I hope he proves me wrong this year. But if I'm sort of targeting this running back room and thinking, who am I buying stock on? Who am I selling stock on? Like, if I had to sell stock on one of these running backs, which I really wouldn't want to do, it might be Abdul Adams, though, just because I think he has potential to be kind of the guy that's left out here. With third down situations, I mean, third down's been a train wreck for this team offensively, and pass blocking has been a train wreck offensively. And this is a guy who can help you out in both of those departments. And I think that shows the importance that you can have as a player on this Syracuse team because they're going to need to figure it out in some capacity. With the pass blocking, because who knows what the offensive line is going to be like this year. You can be told all you want that they're going to be better. They're going to be better. They're going to be better. But you got to see it on the field. And if you can get any sort of help from your running backs, whether it's Jarvion, whether it's Abdul Adams, you're going you're gonna to find your way onto the field if you can play in the pass blocking game. So for you... And I guess this kind of transitions us into our conversation of volume, which we'll get to in a second... But who do you think has the most, I mean, it's a tough game to play, but if you had to pick an odd man out right now of those four guys, who is it for you? 
probably Cooper Lutz, but it might feel like a weird odd man out because you might see him in the slot. Right. <laughs> That's a you good know what call. I mean? Yeah. He, he can be one of those guys who he can be out there on pretty much any down for you because you can put him in the slot potentially. And of course, he's going to get his work out of the backfield too. And who knows? Can he surpass Adams as the third down back? That's another thing to, to keep in mind as well. All right, let's get into the the breakdown of what we are looking for here from a a snap standpoint, from a carry standpoint. So last year, Syracuse averaged about 29 carries per game. We'll see how that number changes this season. You'd imagine Syracuse wins a few more games. That'll ultimately lead to a few more rushing attempts. You'd expect a better offensive line, which will probably also lead to a few more rushing attempts as well. So let's conservatively say that Syracuse is going to be running the ball about 33 times a game. Okay? Is that is that fair? Maybe yeah. even dock it down to 32, whatever you want to do here. I don't care which number you use, but... If you, if I'm giving you 32 rushing snaps a game, how are you breaking it down between whoever you want? And you can throw quarterbacks into this equation as well. Okay, so you're you're making me do math I didn't want to do here because I went full Sorry. pie chart on this. <laughs> I just did percentages for the Percentage. running backs okay, specifically. Yeah. How about this? You throw out a percentage and I can do a quick uh, little mental math for okay. you. Okay. All right, this will challenge you. But this is the percentage numbers that I thought of for the running backs. And I'm thinking of this at a season perspective, not just in one particular game, although I guess it we're talking averages anyway, so it doesn't really matter. And not counting any quarterback run plays in this. But Sean Tucker, I said 45% as the bell cow in that category. Jarvion Howard, okay. 25%. And then I just split up the last 30% dead even, 15 and 15, to Abdul Adams and Cooper Lutz, which I the caveat there is is someone's probably going to get hurt, right? I mean, that's the mm-hmm. sad thing. We talked about this. But if that happens, then that throws these percentages out the window. But assuming everyone's healthy, that's what I would guess. Okay. I, I think you're selling Tucker a little short here. I think Sean Tucker's probably going to get in the 55 to 60% neighborhood. Of the carries, so I started like I look at last year. Yeah, and he got he got uh, about fifty percent, if I'm remembering correctly. Right. So I started, and I thought fifty five sixty, but when I looked back at Dino's track record, Moniel twenty eighteen was the bell cow. He had forty five percent. Strickland thirty five. Howard nineteen percent that year. Twenty nineteen, Moniel fifty one percent, and then Adams and Howard. Their last year they played were right around twenty two to twenty six percent behind him so I just think there's a tighter gap than even those years and I think there's more options as well so when you throw in a fourth guy that might cut into the overall number ones percentage as well so I just said 45 it might be a little bit higher though you know it's interesting because Dino Babers he's never had a running back room like this at Syracuse you've got a guy in Sean Tucker who is the dude right we haven't seen a running back like Sean Tucker under Dino Babers. So I'd imagine he'll eat up more carries that way. We also haven't seen a guy who can be a very suitable, at least from a, a skill set standpoint, someone who is a very suitable third down guy. 
like Abdul Adams, and who, whose role could be a third down. Like Syracuse has had third down guys. I would say Dante Strickland was in the build of a third down guy. He just was the best player on the on, in the running back room at times, so he was forced into being the every down back. I think the same thing with Mo Neal. He's a guy who could have been just a third down guy on a, a roster like this one. So to have that personnel alongside Sean Tucker, it, it's could throw things for a wrench a little bit with how Dino wants to utilize his backs. And then, of course, Jarvion Howard. He's had a Jarvion Howard in the past because his name was Jarvion Howard yeah. <laughs> a couple years ago and two years or two years ago and three years ago now. So it'll be fascinating to see. And again, a lot of it predicates on what is Syracuse's offensive success like as well because if they're getting to the red zone and they're moving the ball up and down the field, well, then that obviously probably sees an uptick for a guy like Jarvion Howard because you would be getting more red zone opportunities. Yeah, I do think they're going to run the ball a lot more than we've seen. And the big question mark is, will Dino actually rotate four guys? Will he go that deep? Or will Sterling Gilbert, if you want to address it that way? But another thing that's just not being talked about enough in my mind when you talk about the running back position Chris Elmore is back at the fullback position now, and that's right. huge for their running game. Like com- being completely overlooked, in my opinion, because go back and watch that's a good point. that 2018, even 2019, they run behind Elmore a ton. I mean, 2018 especially, if you want to see what they did well in the red zone, it was run behind Chris Elmore. He's tremendous as a lead blocker. Especially with Dungy, too. Yeah. On some designed runs. Right. That's why Jared Schrader's so interesting. Yeah. Because what is the running back, what is the the distribution going to look like with Schrader? I mean, that throws a whole other wrench into what Dino's plans might be. Let's say Tommy goes down. Or let's say Schrader straight up wins the job. You've got a lot of really quality running options. And Dino, Dino's got a lot of chess pieces. He's going to have to put together the right combination, though. No doubt. I just think it gives them more of a power dynamic having Elmore back there, who is arguably one of the best blocking fullbacks, I would say, in the country, although I, I just candidly can't really say that because I don't watch a whole lot of fullbacks game in and game out, but I focus on yeah, him we, a lot. Yeah, we leave that to PFT commenters. Sure. He, he handles <laughs> all, all the fullback grades. Yeah, he'd have a better idea than me, but... When I watch Elmore, I'm always impressed with his blocking. So that's a big thing this year. Right. And again, anytime you get supplemental help in the trenches, you're you're putting yourself in a better position to win and have success on the ground. So Chris Elmore is going to be a big part of that. Who knows? Maybe he gets his own little uh, Fridge Perry uh, moments throughout the season, too. You could see him at maybe on the goal line once in a while as well. So Dino's got a lot of weapons at his disposal. It'll be interesting to see how he utilizes all of them. All right, next week, we have a ton to get to. We've got a Kadir Copeland announcement coming up on the 10th. That's a Tuesday. And then we've also got Stephen Bailey. He's scheduled to come on the show next week to talk all things football. We're also going to have Kevin Belby on the show and maybe one more surprise Bayheim's Army guest as well. We'll get that to you once we know who it is. And on top of that, we're going to continue with our positional countdowns as well we're gonna go to the linebackers next week because you've got some studs in that room and you've got some up-and-coming guys and you've got some question marks so we'll tell you who's gonna be the most important in that room heading into next season so for tim i'm tyler everyone have a fun safe healthy weekend and we will talk to you guys next week